0: Welcome, basketball fans, to another episode of the Shooters Roll podcast, made by fans for the fans. I'm your co-host, The Swizzle, and joining me tonight, as he normally, usually, and always does, is my boy T. What's happening, T? Hey,
1: man. Just yeah, just I felt like um, I, I was a kid in the candy store again. Fucking, we got to watch NBA or some some sort of NBA, and the greatest of them all. So, I just can't wait to get into this week's conversations.
0: Yep, yep. And we will be talking about the last dance in this episode and none better to join us on the panel for tonight is my former high school running mate, Backcourt 2000, the three-point demon himself, 5'8 from Blacktown, my boy I.J. How's it going, Jay?
2: How's it going, boys? Thanks for having me tonight.
0: (laughs) Will do, mate. Good To have you on the show, I mean, I don't think there's a, any better person to have <laughs> on this episode of the Shoes Roll. Um, sure, but to, you, to talk about Jordan and the Bulls dynasty, uh, in particular, we're talking about you know, The Last Dance, the Netflix uh show that's on special and on show at the moment, um, featuring the 97 98 Chicago Bulls, the final. Uh, Chicago Bulls championship of the second three-peat. Uh, just, just kicking up right off the bat, Jay, uh, what were your thoughts on the first two episodes and what caught your attention the most about, about the Netflix show?
2: So before I start, right, like everyone else, I'm sure you were all counting down. I was counting yeah. down. I was counting down to the second. I was waiting for the kids to go to bed and then I had to watch more, two episodes of Money Heist and then I'm going to jump into, you know, the last (laughs) dance. And after the last dance came on, I started dancing. I was like, man, it's time. It's time. And when that thing came on, it just brought back childhood memories all over again. Um, Man, it was just so refreshing to be honest, especially with this situation we've got at the moment. Um, Man, it's like when they all went to bed, I was like, man, I was it pretty much reminded me. I pretty much I didn't know all of what's happened. I mean, it gave me more depth and actually what happened that season. Because I'm 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 a die-hard Bulls fan since the beginning. So even when those things came on and when YouTube came on, I, I researched all that. I just want to make sure, like you know, what I was reading, what I was hearing was right. And you know, with Facebook now and social media, they all they all, all these things are starting to come out. So now I'm just trying to proofread all these things. And when this came out, wow, it was. You know, especially with the, the Jerry duos, those guys, wow. Biggest antagonist of them all, those two. Wow, they played a really good role in dismantling the team. That's the thing that really got me, that, you know, managers these days really want their teams to go and succeed and win a championship, not just once if they can. But these guys really, like, their egos really got in the way from what I see. So um, it really t- took me back that how the winning factor and the thing with sports is it sort of took a back seat with them and their ego sort of took over and took the front seat and, you know, and and sort of led to the, to the whole team being gone. And the surprising thing with Jerry Krause is that he really just said, well, beginning of the season, when, when he told Phil that, look, this is the last time that you're going to be here. I was like, whoa, okay. So he's calling the shots and, Surprisingly, Jerry, Jerry Reinsdorf didn't actually say anything. He sort of went along with it. So to me, it really proved that. Well, I think they sort of they felt like discredited a lot, and they felt like they didn't really get their get their they get their due pretty much. And all the glory was to Jordan, to Jackson, to Pippen, to Rodman. So. For me, watching all that, I was just like, "Wow, I really." I told everyone. I told the baby, even the baby was beside me. I was like, "Man, don't, I got to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pay attention, like you know." So, yeah, so that that, that was my first take on it. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: That take you back to to you know our junior days, our childhood days, and I'm sure like we're we're all of the same same age bracket. And and how did yeah. you find? What are your first thoughts on the show, Tate?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of um, layers to 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 uncover, I guess. Um, and I guess if we get through it, if we go through this swizzle we'll, we'll basically get into it. I think if we if we all comment, we'll be here or not. <laughs> well,
0: well, let, let's go through it. And 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 RJ touched upon um, the first issue. I did want to talk about is uh, the general manager, uh, the relationship between the brass and the players, and. Um, I'll play devil's advocate here and I'm happy to do this because um, you know, Jerry Krause is portrayed on the show as uh, you know, cutthroat, egotistical, um, sort of guy. But my my point of view um is, and I, I don't necessarily personally share this point of view, is wasn't Jerry Krause um the Sort of a trailblazer and the, and and of modern basketball about how the brass need to look after the franchise. Um, he was Sam Hinkie before Sam Hinkie was was um, doing his thing in Philly, and um, you know, having someone with this vision to say that player is getting old, that player used by date is approaching. We need to do more for this franchise. Um, in terms of longevity, in terms of competition, um, I I, I don't think that uh, that angle, in terms of the positivity of that angle, was shown in the first episode. Thoughts? I'll
2: start with you, Jay. Good point, actually. Um, Well, yeah, it wasn't really shown. um, But from what I gathered from the episodes uh, so far, um was really that uh, he he just grew resentment with the coach and the and the team pretty much it just grew yeah. uh, and it got the best of him it re- yeah. but really he should have taken a step back cuz really those guys are the ones who played they're the ones who played back to back they played 82 games plus playoffs um and really they're they're the ones even now in the modern day, like you don't hear any managers that take the credit you know you can hear Jerry West is in is in the clippers, but not, he doesn't go say well, you know I'm the one who put this team together, and I'm the one who everyone knows, but at the end of the day you can't put players before the organization like you've got to put the players first because they're the one who plays um they're the ones who risk their bodies, they're the ones who stretches their their limits so from what I can see, really, like it's, yeah, Jerry Crass was just, I don't know, he was really painted a really, really bad picture. And he shouldn't have really, you know, I think they would have two more good years if he didn't, if he didn't put his ego first. That's what I can gather. Because when people went to, 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 the, to Houston, to Portland, he didn't do too bad. If you look at his stats, he didn't do too bad. When you look at Steve Kerr, he didn't do too bad either. Luke, well, that you can debate that. Uh, Dennis, Dennis didn't do too bad either. So I think his assessment for the players, I think I don't think it was a was an accurate assessment. I think it was a lot of his ego already saying, "Well, you know what? dismantle this team regardless." He didn't assess it at all. That's what I think, anyway.
0: You've used T?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. So, but there has to be credit given to him too, right? Like he—he's the one that put the team together. Outside of Michael Jordan, he—he he pretty much drafted the rest of the team, and he also put in Phil Jackson into the, uh, the organization. He was assistant, he was assistant for two years, and then became the the, the head coach. But in terms of um, uh, his his ego, yeah, definitely it got in the way. Like he's if he didn't. If he didn't go out there and say, oh, yeah, uh, organisations win championships, the, the actual quote was taken out of context. He actually said players and, and the team and then the organisation. But but all the reporters just took the last bit and they ran with that because it's everyone, every story has to have a villain. And and for this, I guess, this, this whole I think, series is going to be uh, Jerry's um, uh, downfall and he's not around to defend himself. So, so, for me he, he he did have a lot to play with it, but he, he, like in in today 's society we have tall poppy syndrome we don 't like humans that stand up and take the credit we, we, we want people to you know the right people to stay in the background. The players are in the in the foreground so the, the players get the glory because they they play the game, they do all the training and and I guess it's like human nature like we we, we want our players to take the front seat and then all the owners and the management. Takes the seats and they're the ones making the millions and billions. So yeah, that's that's where my stance on it is is this: whistle. How about yourself?
0: Well, on on point. The I'll address the last part first. The image and the 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 franchise, the Chicago Bulls, um, it's synonymous with the the faces, the way it's marketed. Um, you're not going to put Jerry Krause's mug. As the promotional material in front of, you know, to promote, you know, the the team. So, in a sense, um, I understand where the players are coming from. That it's the players first and foremost that win championships. But credit should be um, given where it's due, and Kraus made the right moves in regarding trades, especially Pippin um, um, acquiring him from uh, from. Seattle, and also you know doing the right uh, the draft, drafting Jordan. Obviously, not not screwing up and 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 choosing another player as the number three pick in the '84 draft. I mean, these are all important things. But maybe the the rub of it is the per- Kraus, uh, and this is all the benefit hindsight. I don't think the approach and the way he did it um, was possibly the best way to do it, where he alienated um, not just the players but uh, arguably the city as a whole of Chicago, turning um, Chicago um, against each other about opinions of how the team was to be run going forward and the future direction of the team. Um, in saying that, also, I agree with RJ's point regarding whether or not the validity of his assessment of player um, 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 uh, shelf life was accurate. Because, I mean, uh, uh, he did he left Jordan to one side, but Pippen, um, despite that the injury he did suffer and and had to have surgery on, um, was still at that time. Arguably, a top ten player in the NBA, um, and and you couldn't, you know, and as long as MJ was willing to put up his hand to play the game, um, you needed to have MJ. And MJ quoted this: "Scottie Pippen was my best teammate." You're not going to run an organization without your best players' input. Um, we're seeing that today. We're seeing how players can, you know played with mates. We're talking about, oh, first name that pops in my head, Kyrie Irving. He'll go where he wants and he'll say, I'm, I'm doing this. And organisations are bending backwards for players. I mean, Kyrie went to Boston and see how that went. And he went to the Nets and they fired Atkinson just, just prior to the COVID outbreak. So uh, players have a big say. And I, I think when you have someone of the talent that Jordan was at that time, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, he still had a lot to give. So, I mean, no one's going to defend Kraus, but maybe it is my job to defend Kraus, and I'm happy to do it. Uh, maybe it was the right thing to, to be upfront and say to Phil Jackson, it's your last year. None of this, you know, circus about, oh, I'm taking it one game at a time. I'm going to, you know, Durant did it before he left GSW. I'm, I'm, I'll make up my mind when the season's out and then they'll drop a bombshell at the end. Maybe he did uh, the right thing by being up front. I think that's as far as I'll take defending Kraus regarding his uh, <laughs> GM motivations uh, <laughs> and movement. Uh, any other thoughts on, on, on the brass at Chicago at the time?
1: Yeah, just touching on, we'll basically get into it for the second episode, but uh, yeah, just... On draft night of, of their last championship, um, Tracy McGrady was was going to get drafted um, for Pippen, so traded for Pippen. So yeah, it, it's interesting how these these scenarios uh, played out or not. And the I guess the the, the news from that was Jordan ha- found out about it and and he squashed yeah. it and his squashed it. So yeah. And like, how about and how
0: about how about the great Mike? I mean, uh, humble beginnings, and I, I did like how the show transitioned um, to his childhood and his relationships. And, I mean, some of these things people already knew because some of it is folklore and his determination and grit. But it was just interesting to hear players from his college days, notably James Worthy, talk about how immediate, immediately they knew that Jordan was a special player. Uh, Jay? Jay? And yeah, a, you're right. Yeah. It was
2: really interesting. Um, you know, what we'll was here about his brothers, his mother, um, his background. It's good to see that, you know, even his brothers got interviewed, his mother got interviewed. Um, it was all interesting because it really, really showed that they really went in-depth and to really get the whole uh, Jordan corner uh, to really talk. And it's interesting all the co- what the coaches said and 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 w- w- whoever the other superiors of his time spoke about Jordan to really speak about him. And it was really good. Like, that's the first time I've seen that. So that's why the documentary is really a popular hit, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot of Jordan documentaries and nothing like this. I'm pretty sure. And you know what? We haven't been touching Dennis Rodman yet. So once yeah. that hits, oh, man, I'm sure that's really going to be, you know, really interesting. But so far, so good. I, I love documentary. It's really, really um it's just really refreshing to see, um, you know, we all of us have sort of moved on and and gone to different, you know, different support teams now and and you know, or about our lives order at the moment. But this sort of takes us back. But at the same time, it's good to see like what what they're doing and 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 you know, like what what actually happened back then. And it's really refreshing. I really love it, to be honest.
0: Uh, what I really um, was. Sort of gave me goosebumps and and this is rare for me watching you know um, i don't get surprised that often is just when I you know put myself in the time I mean you're talking about a guy who is in the national championship game in college who at the time um, is not a notable senior figure on the team, but who ha- who whose number was called to take on the biggest shot of the day that's right the championship winning shot um and to have the guts to pull the trigger i mean you 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 miss all the shots you don't take i suppose there's the the old saying absolutely He, he, he didn't hesitate and there's that form when those photos are showing of him and his form it was just it's a beautiful thing work of art yeah yeah uh, you know, and, you know, he transitions in and he gets, uh, Jordan gets drafted by the Bulls and a lot's been made of, you know, the the first round pick, um, for pick number one being Keem Elijah one and, and then Sam Bowie being number two pick and the infamy that he's received being a, uh, uh, that, that Portland has also received for not drafting the GOAT. Um, I don't know if I'm, um, necessarily, we need to, to 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 touch on this as much because it is part and parcel of basketball and the what ifs in and, and the game. But but just just gently, um, Clyde Drexler and Michael Jordan on the same team. I think that could have worked.
1: Yeah, it, it was a different time, but like back in that that time, the eighties, everyone wanted big man. Like. Like you look at the the scouting and and the the coach when they had Jordan when he, that number three, they basically said, "Oh, we wish he was seven one." And and, yeah. and 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 that's ridiculous. They they're literally taking away his his skill set. Like he he was the college player of the year. Um, he had he hit the game when he shot, and like, like straight away they doubted him already. Like even his own team, they were, wish he was seven one. It's like it's like it's like crazy, right? Um. Yeah, but but if they had uh, Drexler and and Jordan, yeah, that, that combination they basically could have played small forward and, and shooting guard for sure. Yeah, and dominate the league as as we see now. Like that's the combination of like Kawhi and and Paul George, uh, like into like a poor, poor man version of um, Jordan and Clyde. Yeah. I don't think uh, PG.
0: And uh, Kawhi would, would like to be known as the four man's version of Kleiner.
1: <laughs> honest true, honest <laughs> <true>.
0: <laughs> But how about how about that first season for Jordan? I mean, uh, it, it was fun to watch that that early footage about the early team um, being the rookie and and undoubtedly being the best player already on the team. And uh, you know the traveling. What was it? The Chicago Cocaine Circus. <laughs> that was making oh, cocaine thing. circus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting to note the uh, the way Jordan approached at the time. At the time, being so um, clean skinned and 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 focusing on about the body is the temple. Um, obviously, later and down the track, and you know the the shows filmed with him having some. Cognac on the side, I think it is, and Jordan's... You not Cognac, by the way. <laughs> and, and, and Jordan's predilection and, and taste the expensive cigars. It's just, it was just interesting to note, you know, when you're first starting out, um, the, the views, you know, when you're a rookie and, and, and you get exposed to to what it was like back then because it's a different time now, obviously. But back then, um, the partying was, was definitely something that... Uh, um, it shouldn't have been so shocking like in
1: my view, it's Jordan. Yeah, when I saw that, um, yeah, it was surprised, I guess. Um they never went in depth with 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 his first couple of teams. Like you look at all the uh the the documentaries that made on Jordan, you know, the playground, uh and, and, and all the whole series, right? It's all about Jordan and his affections to the world. They they never go into his early teams because the only thing that mattered in his first year was he won Rookie of the Year.
0: Yeah. And he was incredible in his first year. Absolutely incredible. Um as a as a player and c- to consider that, you know, drafted number one was Hakeem large one, foot future Hall of Famer, two time NBA champion, probably the best big man that's ever played the game, arguably. Um it says a lot about his influence on on the team and the stats that he did put up. Now my question is this. If he was drafted to a, a better team where, um, and a more you know stern coach was guiding the ship, uh, do you think the legend of Jordan would have taken on um, the the status that it does have today? Given that maybe he didn't play as many minutes, maybe he didn't wasn't afforded as many shots. It's just an interesting what if that I'm, I'm, I'm pondering in my head. If he was in a different situation that wasn't as, I mean, you, I looked at that Chicago team and I thought, man, that team is so loose. Like to have, to, to trust the keys of the franchise to a rookie, I thought it was a bit loose for, for them. But, you know, that, that's that's just my view. And, and, and the thought of it was, you know, this was a guy who was rescuing a dying franchise because at the time they were, they were not significant at all, you know. Any, any thoughts on, on uh, whether or not the legend of Jordan would have been the legend of Jordan if he didn't start the way off he did at, as in his rookie season?
2: I reckon it would have changed. Um, considering all the, the hardship and, and adversity he had to go through um, you know, with the struggling franchise. And, and if you can see, I don't know if you remember, they made the playoffs playing the Celtics in the first round with a 30-52 and 52 record, with a losing record. So, with all those things, and and like I'm, 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 I've watched multiple Jordan documentaries, I've got his books, and and he said that you have to use anything you can to fuel that fire. And mm. having a losing team, and and you know, getting lo- getting like losing in the first round to the Celtics, I'm sure that would have fueled him. But I'm sure if he succeeded first on, maybe the legend of Jordan wouldn't be as great. I think, um, because. It really drove him. You can tell. He's been from, you know, from college to what to when he began. Even to Wizards. I mean, my gosh. 50-year-old scoring, like, oh, sorry, 40-year-old scoring, how many? 51 points? Yeah. That's amazing, dude. Like, four. Yeah. yeah. You'd be lucky to score 10 points when you're 40 at any comp. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? So. You'd be lucky to run around for 10 minutes, mate.
0: At 40,
2: mate. You'll have to sub off after two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
0: look it it, it is it, it is the interesting thing about all these uh all these what ifs um and the way that you know things have been ha- things how how things play out um another interesting thing i found on the show um i mean this is a podcast that talks about ball and it's not just you know the live action basketball but we talk about b- basketball culture on the show and the Last Dance being one of them, um, is how about how about the fashion? How about the big suits that were back in the <laughs> day, that was prevalent back in the day? Like when the Bulls travelled through to, uh, to Paris to start off um, the 97-98 campaign for the McDonald's Challenge and just the attire, I'm just thinking, wow, wow, fashion, you know, basketball fashion. It, uh, it was something else you know with the baby suits and and the in the time you know the times um i'm just trying to recollect what we were wearing back in like the late the late 90s i remember keppers and and you know colors. cross colors and oh it's just yeah that 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 took me by by surprise is there anything else that uh, you guys picked up on the first season that you thought oh wow that that's that's pretty special right there
1: yeah, I we, with the fashion you just touched on. I had older brothers, so they they pretty much had the similar style. <laughs> like we had this uh, red velvet uh, suit that we shared, baggy of course, and then uh, a green one, and and then we also wore the the, the kanga hats. It, 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 oh, uh, the berets! To, yeah, yeah, the berets, right? And when I saw yeah, it, yeah, man. When I was watching, it, hey, Dex, you bought one too. <laughs> when I saw it, I. I was telling my wife, and she's like, "What the, where the hell would you wear that for?" <laughs> <She,
2: like, laughs> during that time, it, it was it was cool. It was cool kids. <laughs> That's right. No, yeah, I, I had one. I had a Kangol one. Dexter had one. I remember that, bro. Yeah, it was
0: just uh, it, it. It's amazing how fashion changes, and and you know, back in the day, we we were thinking, "Oh, what were our parents wearing in the '70s?" You know, what were you wearing, mom? What were you wearing, dad? And um, undoubtedly, when when you watch footage like that, um, no doubt, parents around the country and around the world are being asked by their children, "Dad, Mum, you were wearing that style back in the nineties. You're so dorky." You know, I, I'm just gonna just imagine conversations in in lockdown and households all around the world going through through all that. But it was just interesting. I I, I enjoyed. Um, Seeing glimpses of what life was like and what the fashion was like back there, and I thought the the show also did a good job regarding um, the music that they put in the background as well, and 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 the relevance of of the music, and, and just you know when when LL was playing, I was sort of just bumping my head, and I was just I just thought it was it was uh, it was a nice touch regarding the show, and and not having you know you know keeping it in time. In the context of its time, which which I found was was a good was a good vibe, and um, getting onto the um, the title of the show, you know, the last dance. Uh, I this is what I didn't know. I didn't know that Phil Jackson was the the owner of of, of um, the, the motto for the team for that year is being the last dance. I thought that was quite interesting as well. Uh, the the way um, Phil Jackson was was portrayed on the show. Any thoughts about his uh, he, his way? I thought he was pretty even keeled about it all. They they asked him about whether or not in, and and transitioning off to the the second episode that focused on Scottie Pippen, Jordan's uh, uh, the Robin of of the Chicago Bulls to Jordan's Batman. Um, I thought Phil, when he was asked about whether or not Scotty did the right thing about where, um, holding back on the surgery to, um, to enjoy more of his summer break. Um, and, and I thought Phil played it quite diplomatically um, in, in his response. Uh, thoughts uh, on, on Jordan's running mate, Scotty Pippen, probably the best number two player of all time.
2: Yeah, Phil. Phil really—that's why Phil was hired, to be honest. I think really he was a really understanding coach. I think he really took—I I mean, he was a player before, so I think he yeah. knew when things like that come up. Um, and th- they said that's why he was the best put in a situation because he can understand. So he never—he never held that against Scotty. You can tell, uh, and he pretty much just understood that. You know, he felt he got the raw end of the deal, and he had to handle it and and as Jordan said, like, you know, they had to do it collectively without him while he was still recovering. So, um, I mean, Pippen really, really, when he, when he didn't play, you can tell there was a massive hole and the team missed him, really missed him. And you can tell the tension was there. I mean, I don't know if you still recall the practices. Oh man. I was like, wow. Uh, I, I saw Jordan swear at Harper and I thought, wow. Okay. Like, he really got to them, you know, emotionally, uh, physically. They were all getting tired. They didn't. They needed that second spot to be filled, but no one was willing to step up. So Jordan had to take that on. Um, so yeah, I was just really, really just in awe when I was watching the whole thing. Um, but as you can tell, when when people came back, they just picked up from pretty much where they left off last season, and
0: it was all great. So. And what are your thoughts, T, on Scotty Pippen and that uh, his, his final season there at the 9798 Chicago Bulls?
1: I liked how the time Jordan, Jordan told him, um, like in the documentary, that, that Pippen was selfish. And then Phil Jackson played the, the diplomatic card saying that, nah, Pippen was doing the right thing. So it basically gave Pippen some some support. I guess against Jordan and and I guess the organization. Right, this this organization and and the team. I felt like the the tension was like really tight. Like, like there was the, the players was one organization and then the Bulls was an organization. So then they they basically band together. They band together against management and, and, and they really became like a, like a family. Uh, and with with Pippen. I felt that um, yeah, he 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 grew into himself. I guess we'll touch on it in episode two, but yeah, he's he he was perfect for for the Bulls and for Jordan. Uh, Jordan was the dominant player that only knew one way to play. He didn't know how to communicate with other players. Uh, It was his way or the highway, right? Uh, Pippen Pippen had the same skill set as Jordan, but he also could understand. Uh, he could also understand why that players are the, the way they are. They have off days. Uh, they're not always there. They're not always playing hard. They're pretty much not on the same level as Jordan. Um, part of that, I believe, from his documentary, is he came from a massive family, and, and he had hardship in his family. So he, he had, to, had to manage, I guess, a lot of personalities in, in his own family. But myself come from a big family. I can see that uh, you you have to negotiate your way around siblings and. And, and and your parents, right? And and from that, it also, for me, in business and, and on basketball court, it allows you to understand different personalities. See, and, and Jordan's history, he was always fighting, right? So he was one of the younger brothers, and his older brothers were always beat up on him and beat up on him. And then uh, he he will fight them, right? He will fight them and he will beat them on the court. And and that's the way he was brought up. He wasn't brought up, I guess. Uh, I, I wouldn't say soft, but he 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 wasn't diplomatic. He was. His brothers were one way or one way or nothing, and I could also see that in the documentary that his dad was very similar. Like, like his dad would just write him off. There was one, I think there was one scene where Jordan wanted to help out with um, maybe fixing the car or some sort of hardware, and 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 they would ask him to to get something, and and he would get something else, and, and his dad would like get get the hell out of here, you know. So so, so that built like Jordan's, um, yeah, he basically built his um, determination. And and built his um, just competitiveness, like to beat his brothers, and and, and get that um, get that respect from his father, you know, get that affection. And and you can see that in the documentary when when he's talking about it, you can see the passion. He's like, "I want the attention, I want, I want this, I want that," you know. And and he had to work for it, and and eventually, you know, these, these are the things that built him up. So there's two totally different personalities, but yeah, together, yeah, to, together they really fit perfectly. And and then you have Phil Jackson, which is like, it, it was just a mastermind heaven. They, those three. And then you add Ronman. It's like, it was like, oh, it an was, it was ultimate team. Just their personalities. Like, you gave them everything they needed. Uh, Phil Jackson gave them everything they needed to succeed. And and they just bind it perfectly together. So
0: it was just interesting in the second episode when um, Steve Kerr made mention that Pippen was the glue guy. He was the guy that. Brought people and the team together, um, and that was his role. He did. When the footage showed of Pippen's play, you could see that he he was playing defense. He was grabbing loose boards. Um, he was doing putbacks, and he was doing the the the, the grunt work that um, you know that sometimes gets overlooked. Uh, but people watching ball in the '90s knew that Pippen was the you know he quite. Possibly could be, you know, one of the, the the forefathers of, you know, what's known as two-way basketball players. You know, brilliant offensively and just just you know a lockdown defender on 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 defense. And um, it was just interesting to to hear the the, the role players like Kerr uh, speak about how um, Scotty was and his role in, in the team. Um, and and it's just it just turning on the team. Like it was an interesting bunch. And this is what the second um, episode uh, was also touched upon regarding, you know, whilst the focus was on Pippen's injury and surgery and um, his contractual issues, uh, which we will touch upon now as well. Um, it was great insights to, to hear, you know, Bill Wennington, and and just yeah. to see, you know, Ron Harper and and. Randy Brown, someone who I'd totally, totally forgotten about that was on that that Premier Bulls team, that dynasty, of the second-run dynasty. You know, it was just interesting. Um, uh, your takes, uh, RJ, on, uh, on on that 97, 98 Bulls team and, and the personalities on that team?
2: Well, if you've got a personality like Jordan, you know, make sure your people are around you are all inferior personalities. <laughs> because I you don't know. Want I
0: I thought they uh, – they, uh, they, uh, it would have been difficult. I mean, they still had Rodman on the team. He's a, he
2: was a strong person. Yeah, yeah. Mean, that's, oh, that's, that's yeah. but Rodman knew that if he brought his game, whatever outside of that, I'm sure they're going to leave him alone, and they did. I mean, I, I'm, they, I already saw the preview for the next episode. I'm not going to give it away, but pretty much um, they all knew what they can bring. And once you bring what you have to bring to the table, Everything else outside of that is irrelevant. So they knew what he can do, and he brought it every night. So whatever he did outside of that with either Madonna going to Vegas or whatever, they're not going to say nothing. They're not going to say nothing. Yeah, they were a bit skeptical, but they knew that he brought, he brought his game every single night. And that's what I mean. It's a perfect mix. But with Jordan, Jordan's very vocal. You know, Robin was vocal. But he knew that he couldn't, talk, he couldn't talk over Jordan. So he just made sure. I mean, I've I'm, I'm heard multiple interviews as well that it's kind of funny when you you know, you play with someone and you say that, and you're pretty much like family, but you, if you hear like, well, we don't talk during the season. I just thought to myself, what? Your teammates. Yeah, you talk on the court, but you don't talk outside. And I'm like, wow, okay. That's a, that's a really weird dynamic. But yet they clicked. Yeah. On the court, they clicked. So, for me, it's like, wow, it's like, Phil knew. Phil knew that they could all blend and they could all win. And they're there to win. They're not there to like each other. So, Phil knew that they all can blend and they'll win a championship together. And that's what they did. So, they did what what they're supposed to accomplish. So, for me, when I see the rest of the teammates, the, the other guys, they played their role. They're all great role players. They're perfect role players. That's what I think anyway.
0: Well, we spoke about um, earlier um, the um, the makeup of the team, and you know, we we touched upon when Pippen what didn't start the season with the nine seven ninety eight Bulls, and the Bulls were struggling. They were, you know, zero and four on the on the road. They needed double overtime to get over the Clippers, who at that point in time were a joke of the team. Um, and we made mention about. Um, the person who was going to um, fill in as the number two while Pippen was down injured. Um, just looking up this roster, any any views on who that person should have been? I mean, I've got I've got a certain viewpoint about in terms of who was talented enough to be the number two. But um, T, um, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, it should have been Ron Harper. Um, Ron Harper early in his career was stated to be the next Jordan. Uh, due to injuries in Cleveland. Uh, he, he, His career took a second path and he became like a bit like Sean Livingston in that way. But then Sean could raise up to like seven games. I remember in one finals against the Cavs in the game one or two and won the seasons, he scored 20 points. I think one half did it, but he didn't do it as consistently when Pippen was gone. And yeah. and I think this team, too, going to the third piece, they just got comfortable, right? They got comfortable with everyone. Eating. Everyone had the role and they turned up. And, and and they knew if everyone played their role, it gave them a great chance to win. Uh, with 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 Pippen not there, and and then they had no no warning. You know, they like they started the season, training camp, and then he goes on oh, his surgery. So they they really didn't have time to plan on the fly. Uh, and and it touched on it on the documentary on episode two where Jordan's like, "I'll do it all. <laughs> this is this is what I'm made for." Like and when when he had that game against uh the Clippers and and that was his first I guess the Chicago's first road win on that on that third season to three P. Uh he had to score like forty I think forty one or something, forty one or forty nine points in double overtime against a team that forty nine. Forty nine, okay. Yeah, they they were yeah, they said the LA Clippers at the time were a joke and, and, and it took them you know, it took a double overtime. So 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 the team was a little bit out of sorts. Um, and, and in terms of uh, number two, I think if if, if Ron Harper uh, stepped up, I think that it, the, the the gap of winning and losing would have been um, closer to winning. They, they would have had more of a winning record without Pippen involved.
0: RJ, thoughts on who should have been
2: the number he two? Was actually, he's actually really right about that. Ron, Ron Harper's probably the closest to it. Um, Tony wouldn't really suit the role. Um, I can't really see anyone. It's, it's really Ron, pretty much. It was on Ron because Ron was pretty much the next guy uh, on the Bulls roster that would really, pretty much, pick it up. But you can tell he's mellowed down a bit. He wasn't as wasn't the same player mm-hmm. as he was in Cleveland. Um, so yeah, and and he pretty much knocked everything with that point. Um, if he actually stepped up a little bit more, then the losing would have been probably been lesser. But from what I can see with Ron, Ron's not really that. I don't think that's his personality. Um, from what I can see, he was quite laid back. Um, and I don't think he was as vocal uh, as Scotty or, you know, as as the one-and-two punch. Um, even when I see him talk, I don't think he was as confident to sort of lead or to sort of be the second to Jordan. Um, I just felt like he, he sort of – he could have done it, but I just don't think he would have been as, as good as we expected if we say that he'll put, put him in second place. So it was hard because Jordan had to take on a lot more. Um, but, yeah, Ron's probably the closest, I think. Well, Jordan
0: in the show said, you know, you've got to win at all costs. If I have to do it myself, I'll do it. That's so Jordan, isn't it? Just,
2: it is. Just you know, It certainly <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> it's, it's definitely so Jordan. Look, I, I think you, you made mention of my, the player I, I would have thought that should have been uh, taken on a more um, vital role and more aggressive role would have been Tony two coach. Um, I just think, with given his size, um, he's you know he was he he, he was Europe Euro basketball before Euro basketball was cool and hip and Luka Doncic you know graced and uh, look I, I think that um, the the way the team was heading into the the, the season after the last dance. Um, Someone correct me here if I'm wrong, but um, was was Kukoc still contracted? I think he was still quite young at that point. Um, I don't know if they were Kraus was actually letting him him go, but well, I'll, I'll double check on that one. I thought he he would have been the the cornerstone of the rebuild. Um, I just thought you know, given given his size and given his same you know physical makeup that Pippen had, I thought he would have been the obvious number two to step up. But no, that's 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 my view. Um the the way that that you know the season had played out, uh, yeah, there were there was footage um that they took back to um the 85, 86 season with um Jordan breaking his left foot and and the you know the the minutes limit that he had to Endure on his return. Uh, thoughts on this? I mean, this is this is pre-load management era. Is it not uh, to play? I mean, it was something ridiculous, wasn't it not? it? was like seven minutes a half. That's hard to to be productive in, just to get your rhythm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely it was seven minutes uh, per half. So, so, so the, the hidden meaning, I guess, or the hidden uh, agenda was. I think uh, Jerry, Jerry, the the GM, was trying to um, make the the Bulls f- pretty much um, flop and 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 actually get a draft pick. So so they wanted to match him up with the with the new draft pick for that year. So that's why the the the, the, the restriction came in. Uh, and but then Jordan just sucked up those seven minutes. He was like if if I'm gonna play 40 minutes a game, I'm gonna light it up. I'm gonna light it up. When I'm on the court, is non-stop. Um, and but I think from from medical advice, it was it was a medium, I guess, a medium point for the for management and Jordan. Uh, he he wanted to play, and then he he went off to North Carolina, and, and without the medical staff knowing or the team knowing, he just started playing and, and rehabbing himself. Now he he came back to the Bulls and said, oh, "I've been playing an hour and a half every day in college for the last week or two weeks or the month." And and the the Bulls were like, okay, if he's gonna play in in North Carolina, let's let's give him a minutes restriction. At least we get um, the the fans get to see him play. Like he shouldn't be playing in an empty arena, right? So yeah, it, it's interesting that um, Jordan didn't really care. Like like he the the quote was um, he had a ten percent chance of uh, re-injuring, and and once he re-injured it, it was his whole career. On on the line, but but Jordan didn't want to hear it. Like the way he is, and and, and his mentality is, I have a ninety percent chance of playing, and 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 actually contributing to a team that um, was uh, vying for a playoff spot. Like his his mentality is crazy. Like I, like any other player these days, will be okay. Cool. I I'll just take half season off. Take take a year off. Um. Yeah, uh naming players i guess similar injuries or uh, foot injuries is like uh, ben simmons or something you know like he he took a whole year off there was a lot of players that take a whole year off just to be just to protect your your career but jordan in his second year didn't didn't want to hear it so it it also adds to his his uh, i guess um addiction to the game and addiction to winning yeah it, and it just that whole
0: competitive fire that's in him. That's um, you know, you know. You've got molds of players, and and RJ will probably scoff at this, but uh, the the Jordan mold transform uh, transmitted onto Kobe, and I know how RJ feels about the great Mamba, uh, and you know, it's just that fiery spirit that um, is the X factor. Not not many, you know, professional athletes have that elite fire that you see in, in people like Jordan and Kobe You know, and LeBron, if for that matter. Um but it was just it was just quite interesting to see um, you know, Jordan sit and be told to sit in the final, what was it, fourteen seconds, 14 um, seconds um, of yeah. of of the game. Um, and what was on the line was a playoff berth, um, as opposed to a draft pick and, and this is where the whole um, you know, once again, the, the first thing we talked about on this podcast episode was, you know, um, picks defining um, the future and trajectory of the organisation as opposed to um, going for the win and going for the win now. It was just an interesting, really interesting clash of, of opinion and of mindset and just knowing that um, the way the show portrayed it was that that was the telling moment for Jordan to distrust management um was that management were um looking out for um you know the quote was violating the fundamental rule of sport which is to win all the time and I thought that was quite telling I thought that was really uh well done by the show about honing in that point about winning and um and and just just going forward with with you know um Taking in the the positives of getting uh, into a playoff series. I mean, we talk about it now, like developing teams, like Dallas. Um, we talk about um, how much of a benefit like um, um, teams, young teams, um, develop so much, even if they get swept in the first round of the playoffs. Just how much development getting into the playoffs means to a franchise. Uh, you look at last year, um, the the most notable team last year it was Brooklyn and the Nets making the playoffs on a young team and you know just having that playoff experience um, setting the tone for the team I mean Brooklyn has reshaped their team this season but it was just it was just quite interesting to note the the the, the clash of 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 um, uh, uh, the different points of view and organization and players can have um, on that uh, I suppose the, one of the, the final things I wanted to talk about was um, Scotty Pippen. He uh, signed a seven year deal in the 1991 season for 18 million, coming on to the season that featured in The Last Dance. It was his final year of that deal. And, uh, uh, you know, he goes into the season having uh, late surgery. He's still backing himself that he's going to get his money wise. Um, I just thought um, your. I just want to get your your views on on um, that long seven year deal. And oh, granted, he was he was definitely underpaid. I don't think that's arguable. Um, I think he was what, the hundred and twenty second highest paid player, given that he was probably in the top ten players at the time. Uh, it's just interesting the way you know contracts were you know structured back then, and um, just the makeup of. the the, the motivations for a player signing
2: a a seven-year deal. I'll start with you, Adrian. Well, from the documentary, it was actually kind of bad timing for him to sign it because after he signed it, apparently all the the salaries have gone up. Um, But at the same time, the point that he made, which, look, I totally get, because, you know, he was really thinking about his corner, his family, you know, having his dad in the wheelchair, his brother in a wheelchair. So he had to make sure that something was, you know sealed so that was the pretty much he had to seal the deal with that contract he had to make sure that they were taken care of he said that himself so I don't blame him for for signing that um because he really had to make sure that they were covered he didn't want to gamble on that um but the seven years even Reinsdorf even said to him that I don't know I don't know if you really should sign it because it's 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 too long of a deal but he really thought about his family. You can tell. It's just, he's just thinking about his family. And he had to make sure that they were, they were safe, that they were, you know, no matter what, they're covered. So he did the right thing. But at the same time, Rheinsdorf was quite cutthroat because he even said, well, once you sign that deal, they'll come back to me to, to upgrade your deal, you know, to update your contract. And I thought, wow, like, this is a guy who's been dedicated to you guys and then put, really putting in the work for you guys to win. I mean, gosh, give him a bit of leeway. I mean, the man is really looking after the organisation. He's he's giving guys championships. So I thought that I don't blame Scotty for signing it. I really don't because he he was coming from a good place when he signed it. But at the same time, yeah, the Bulls organisation is quite hard. (laughs) They didn't didn't so much, you know, give the players, apart from Jordan, really, who was, mind you, also underpaid. That's another topic. Um, But... Pippon was really underpaid. But they did not the only thing that they really did uh, from what I researched anyway, they actually at the end of his contract, they did a sign and trade with Houston. So th- that made him get him more more money after that. So, but really, yeah, I just, I just felt bad for the guy because he really, he was really Jordan's number two guy that really helped Jordan and the Bulls win. And the Bulls really should have, as an organization, should have really helped their... The number two player, um, you know, earn he he earn it. He, they should have paid him more.
0: That,
1: that's what I feel, anyway. So. T. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. So lots of layers to unwrap. So the first one is uh, when he signed the deal. His first year, he, he was the 16th most uh, highest player player uh, paid in the NBA. So so when it first started, they they front loaded that contract. So he got he got a lot of money at the front. But then as as the contract went on, I think RJ has touched on it. The the T V rights went up, um just more money came in for the NBA. And and because people signed a long term deal, he, he basically wasn't uh eligible to I guess to get all those deals. If he signed a shorter deal, that would allow him to renegotiate and, and go forward. Uh, but the organization is yeah, it's they're not taking care of their own. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so so on that, I, I compare that deal to, I guess, like maybe Steph Curry's deal when he had bad ankles. He signed a four-year, forty-four million-dollar deal that allowed them to get Kevin Durant and and build that build that dynasty of a team, right? So back to the Bulls, if because they had Pippen on this small contract, they they could go out, they could sign Rodman, they could sign all these ball players at at a high amount. Uh, like Pippen, Pippen was the sixth most paid player, a highest paid player on his team. So. You think about championship teams, and you think about um, salaries. I didn't know Pippen got underpaid, but knowing now they got underpaid. And looking to the salaries of that season, I, I can see why they can build a championship team around him. And and the owners had the, I guess, the motivation to make money, right? So they they basically didn't want to overpay all those players because if they overpaid Pippen, maybe they couldn't get Tony Kukoc. They basically couldn't get Rodman, or, or they, they they couldn't get Randy Brown, like all all these minor um, what you call it role players that they had, uh, the team comes at a price. So, so, so the question is, if he didn't sign that, would there be a championship team um, where, if he was on a high contract? Uh, and, and part of that is, at the time, the salary caps, there, there wasn't a hard cap. So, so, so people sign all sorts of deals, right? Uh, like I read about um, Dave Romson, like his, his salary was based on the highest two players on his team, the average. So, so, so there, there wasn't a, a bargaining uh, agreement. There was, there was nothing. Everything was out on the table. So that that door actually allowed management to come in and because it's between him and and the Bulls. The Bulls literally can tear up that deal and then give him a new deal. Like, but they, but just that is just didn't want to, which is stubborn, right? Um, and and the, the the other part of it, they they kind of made up for it with that um, with the signing trade with Houston. And also at the end of his and at the end of his career, they they also gave him like a mentor role, right? So they had him for two seasons, two last seasons, and they paid him ten mil, and he only played twenty six games. So so that that was like a a parting gift to say you know um, just just to help him with his retirement. And then they they also gave him a role up to this year, like he, he was an advisor for the Bulls. So which they fired him again? <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so I don't. <laughs> I don't know how you fire a, a legend, like, you know, sure. Maybe it's just a generic role where he's still associated with the team, like they have some sort of charity event and he shows up. But yeah, <laughs> they fired him again. Yeah, he spoke about it a little bit on, on a on a T V show and uh, it's just it's just um a comedy it was how to how to handle stuff. I haven't like I haven't seen any, I guess stars that sit on their team as an advisor be sacked and, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, not, not asked back. So that's my views on Piplin. Um, yeah, uh, just just summing up, he had to take care of his family. Like he, his dad was disabled um, and he also came off an injury. He had, he had a bad back. So and, and also the first year he was not an All-Star, the, the, the time he signed the contract. So there's a lot of things. A lot of these things get kind of hidden in the documentary because, like all documentaries, right? There's there's a there's a theme to it. Like, I think they're trying to push the agenda of the Bulls team, the basketball team, like as in the players and coaches versus management, because that's like any good drama, right? You get the good guys and the bad guys. And oh yes, yeah, it's because it's juicy. It's juicy, right? Yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty much man drama, right? This is the stuff where we we love, you know. We love sports, and we love this this this, this drama. This is our drama, you know. You, you get rid of all the trashy dramas. That's all for the ladies,
2: Yeah, for don't worry the guys. about bold and beautiful men. We got <laughs> NBA, baby. <laughs> NBA, baby. <man>. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, i I'm, I, I take, I, I'm, I think I'm more
0: partial to. Uh, the the brass of you and you know once a player's made up his mind um, to sign a deal, he's not forced to sign a deal. He's not under duress to sign a deal. It's, you if you make your bet, you got to lie in it. Uh, I, I again, I'm sticking up for for the jerrys here, but uh, <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm not here to you know to smooth things over. I'm I, this is my point of view. But take your point taken, RJ is yeah. Possibly the Bulls could have treated the players better in terms of a re-upping or a renegotiation. Um, that's um, uh, that is engaged and initiated by the the franchise. But I mean, what do they say? It's a sports, a business. It's all of, it's, it's. It's not show show time. It's 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 show business, and you know it's business. It's, it's it's i mean you've got to be ruthless the most successful people are the ruthless ones and um in business and and you know maybe things have changed nowadays with social media and you've got to be more uh, engaged regarding the the outlook of your persona and how you market yourself but uh, raw deal i mean it, it was a long it was a long contract for pips um but players you know and Players play the game for the love of the game. Hopefully, that's that's the motivation. Is they grew up playing the game for the love of the game. Um, and when you think about, you know, eighteen million in the in the time span of nineteen ninety one to 1997, 98, it carried a lot further than it does today. I mean, I mean, a million dollars today is still carrying you a long way. Um, eighteen million is still carrying you a long way in today's monetary scheme. So uh, I have. Um, uh, I think I'm I'm with the brass on on this one. But just to wrap up, I've got one final topic and it could be it could be a non topic at all, but we're talking about the greats of the game and we're talking about um uh the last dance featuring uh, probably the greatest player to have ever graced the basketball court, Michael Jordan. Um, is um the heir apparent. There were many along the lines. We talked about Ron Harper. Touted, sorry, Touted heir apparent. Jerry Stackhouse was another one. Um, the one that fulfilled the prophecy. Uh, King James
2: himself. Can uh, I just hold you there for a second? You forgot one player that you said. Anthony Hardaway.
0: Ah, oh, my boy, Penny. <laughs> uh, there's, there's much love to Penny. We will get onto this on another on another show. On another show, we will get onto the band. Okay, Eddie. all right. <laughs> uh, Penny Hardaway two-time All-NBA first team. Uh, we won't go into it at this point, all right? But um, to to carry your team to the championship, who would you have as your focal point, your star, MJ or LeBron? Start with you, RJ.
2: Who would you have? Very good question, Dex. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of LeBron. I'm also a fan of Jordan. Look at the background. Um, but I would have to say Jordan because watching this documentary alone, just, just the two first episodes, he's, he's pretty much setting the tone. And, and you can see even the players were even saying it. Like Jordan said, you know what? You change your attitude. This is this way. If you're it, you can get out. So I thought, wow, like that sets the tone from day one that, you know, you got to be a particular way and you've got to really fulfill your role. Like LeBron is good. Like, don't get me wrong. Doesn't take any away from from LeBron, but LeBron's not cutthroat. I don't think he's that cutthroat. Jordan's cutthroat, without a doubt. LeBron is like, okay, let's get this piece, let's get this piece, and we can make make a team together. That's cool. But Jordan is a different. He's a different, different beast altogether. You can tell. So he sets the tone. It's his way or the highway. Um, at the end of the game, it's his shot. No one else's, unless he unless he says otherwise. And I would say Jordan. Sorry, but I would go Jordan.
0: Uh, just before I chi- get T to chime in here, um, a little change up to the question: If um, the if the game was played today in modern times, would you still pick Jordan? Oh yeah, without a doubt.
2: That would okay. that would really flourish in this system with this cupcake system of NBA today. Oh yeah, man these has probably been the highest scoring teams
0: yeah
1: all right okay point taken yeah. t yeah um like RJ, like i'm I'm a fan of both players but um yeah with 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 jordan you, you basically can't you can't beat his his, his uh, mentality and his attitude towards the game uh he he comes in there, there's not many beasts built like him um yeah with with um with the 6 and record in the finals too like so, the Bulls never got taken into a, a seventh game in the, in the NBA Finals, and and that's mainly because Jordan takes his, his training or his practice more serious than games. Like he, his attitude from college all the way to the, the pros, if if he plays the most hardest in in, in practice, then the games come easily, right? So, so 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 we saw footage of it, just a little bit of footage. They should show more of of him like the Harper. getting on his teammates getting on tony um yeah like if he's getting on his own teammates that like that man the opponents have no chance yeah um there's there's no friendship like and and like they you know how to say lebron is always friendly buddy buddy um we saw in the documentary that uh in the playoffs of um before game two right jordan goes and plays golf with uh danny Ainge. You know, like that—that—that that, that was unheard of. Like the, the when when the players do it these days, or or the retired old players say that, oh yeah, we don't do that in that day, But this is middle of the playoffs, and, and Jordan, it didn't affect his game. It actually, it actually made him step up even more because he lost to Danny Ainge, and he lost a bit of money. And Danny was it. talking trash. He was talking trash, right? And then Jordan was just—he <laughs> was literally just storing all this all up. He goes, you know what? I'm going to use this for tomorrow, and I'm going to score 63 on you, double overtime. I'm gonna do whatever I can to win. They didn't win the game, but that game put him on the map. So I'll take Jordan, 100 percent time. Um, yeah, hundred percent of the time. If you give me that question.
0: All right. Uh, I I like arguing just for the sake of arguing, but uh, I won't push the argument. I think the rings speak for themselves. Uh, the ring count. Uh, the only the only plus side I'd I'd, I'd say for this for uh, arguing for LeBron and I can make a solid argument about this. I think, in terms of athleticism and what he could do, um, uh, in terms of his different roles for the team, I think LeBron is more versatile than Jordan in in the way he can play the game, whether it be a facilitator or the dominant scorer or the defender as well. Uh, in saying that, I think rings speak themselves, and time will tell whether or not um, King James will um, match or better. Um, he's Ernest Michael Jordan but it's been a fascinating chat gents uh, I hope you're both keeping well um, during these challenging times of COVID-19 and I'm sure that we will speak more ball in the future this is the Shooters Roller podcast made by fans for the fans we're all on your social media uh, platforms as well as you can pick up the latest episodes of this show on apple Podcasts and also on spotify view us on youtube and say hey to us by email or on our insta account or facebook account so you know what until next time keep 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 on keeping on and uh (laughs) let's 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 keep dancing uh there's going to be more great episodes of this show the last dance until then take care of yourselves gents
2: Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys.
0: Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man.